Welcome to California Groundbreakers, a place that sets trends, starts movements, and shakes up how things are done around the world. We're inviting interesting people doing innovative things to sit down and talk with us about how they're asking and answering the big questions facing all Californians. Our goal is to inspire change across the state, one conversation at a time. Doing live in-person events is off the table for a while, so in the meantime, here's our podcast series, The New Normal in California. During the shutdown, we'll be looking at ways our coronavirus-affected lives are changing over the short and long term, and talking with Californians who are making significant change in this new normal. If you like what you hear and want to help us keep producing more of these, consider making a podcast creation donation. Click on the Support California Groundbreakers link on our SoundCloud podcast page or on the Donate tab of our website, californiagroundbreakers.org. In this episode, we're taking a look at California's restaurant industry, the efforts happening now to keep it going, and what it will look like after the pandemic is over. Our guest to explain all of that today is Patrick Mulvaney, chef and owner of Mulvaney's B&L in Sacramento. He has been a top chef in the capital city ever since he opened his fine dining establishment in 2006. Then he became more of a name to foodies for his efforts to promote California's farm-to-fork scene and draw attention to the mental health needs of restaurant workers. Like other restaurants in the time of COVID-19, Mulvaney's B&L closed its doors once the shutdown started. But that's when Patrick Mulvaney started cooking up his biggest project yet serving thousands of meals to Sacramento's most vulnerable people. The project, called Family Meal, got attention from legislators around California and in Washington, D.C., and now Mulvaney is scaling it statewide. During a press conference last Friday, Governor Gavin Newsom announced an initiative, the first in the nation, to let cities and counties use FEMA money for paying local restaurants to make and deliver meals for senior citizens. Join us for a talk with Patrick Mulvaney about Family Meal, how it can help both California restaurants and residents stay afloat, and what he predicts the dining scene will look like after the pandemic ends. Welcome to episode four of our podcast series, The New Normal in California. I'm Vanessa Richardson. I'm the executive director of California Groundbreakers. And today we're going to take a look at the current state of the restaurant industry and what the new normal will look like for restaurants and their customers post-pandemic. And the person who's going to tell us about that is a cornerstone of the restaurant industry here in the capital city of Sacramento. Chef Patrick Mulvaney opened up Mulvaney's B&L in 2006, and he quickly made it a fine dining establishment here in the capital city, and a must-visit and a must-eat. And then he made an impact beyond just his menu. He was a big leader in the efforts to market Sacramento as the farm-to-fork capital. Last year, he spearheaded a coordinated effort alongside Kaiser Permanente, Wellspace Health, and other organizations to treat mental health and addiction um, among staff in Sacramento area kitchens. And even now, Mulvaney is doing groundbreaking things during the pandemic. He started Family Meal, a program to feed seniors and low-income residents in the Sacramento area starting last month when the California statewide shutdown began. And Family Meal quickly gained attention from lawmakers across the state. And this past Friday, Governor Gavin Newsom announced an initiative statewide to have the restaurant industry help feed seniors. It's marked as the first of its kind in the country, and that's pretty much based on Mulvaney's family meal. 
So here today to talk about his efforts, what he's been doing, where he sees the restaurant industry uh, going for better, for worse here in Sacramento and California nationwide is Patrick. So thank you for taking time out today to talk with us, Patrick. Well, thank you for having us. Good to be but, here. Good, yeah, good to have you. And I want to, I want to go back like a lifetime ago, which seems to be about six, seven, eight weeks, uh, beginning in March, maybe a little earlier for you. I wanted to see, first off, when you started reading the headlines of coronavirus and COVID-19 starting to make it spread, when did you first get a sense, or when did you start thinking, that this is, might be something that's going to affect the restaurant industry in my restaurant? Well, we... We were nervous about the virus in general, right? Just like anybody in the public was. But around the end of February, beginning of March, we started to see our catering crater. So people started canceling events next door in our banquet space. So really by the end of the first week in March, uh, we had essentially no, we had uh, 14, 14 out of 16 events canceled next door. Um, so we knew that this was coming and it was serious and we had already upped our cleaning protocols and, and been doing all these strategies that experts were telling us uh, that we needed to do. And that second week in March, what we found was that every time we made a decision in the morning, it was obsolete by dinner time, and, and just kept getting worse. So by the end of that Saturday, the 14th, it was pretty clear that, that we weren't going to open. I, we talked among ourselves with the leadership who came, waited until we came together on Monday so that everyone could sit around the table and say, this is, this is what we're going to do. And here's how we're going to move forward. Let our staff know. And then also said to them, but because every decision we've made has been behind the eight ball, we're going to ask you for 72 hours on Thursday, you guys, the 54 people come, we'll have your last check for you. We'll have a, a family meal box for you as well. That was our first family meal. And then we'll have, um, a packet for you for, for what to do for unemployment, for family medical leave, if you have to take care of your kids, you know, how to get you in touch with those resources. Was, has, been, has this been the first time you've had to shut down the restaurant? I know there was the, uh, we had the Great Recession in 2008, and initially it seemed people were saying, oh, it could be like that. And now it seems like it may be more than that. But uh, comparing what ha was happening at that point when you made the decision and comparing it to 2008, did you see similarities or did you sense this is going to be something very different? Well, this is clearly very different because the government's closing down everybody, right? All the restaurants are, and all the outdoor stuff is, is gone. You know, for, for us, uh, we had just opened in 2008. And so uh, we, were, we were pretty well supported, right? Our growth pattern was good. So it kind of went down almost to flat, but we did, very, we did pretty well comparatively there. I think back to buying the catering business in July of 2001, 10 weeks later, 9-11 uh, happened. I called my father in New York and I got through at seven o'clock at night hey, Pop, that's it. The world is over. I'm going bankrupt. I don't know what's going on. And he, uh, in his typical manner, said, shut up. When I was in high school, we were fighting Japs and Nazis. And we still, people still got laid, got married, and died. You'll be fine with the catering. And so, so even in this time, now I remember, 
that then in a time of uncertainty, the only thing to do was keep moving forward. And we're trying to do that now. So you closed the restaurant down. You didn't do takeout like many other restaurants did, but instead you decided to pivot and you started the family meal program. So tell us what that is. So, yeah, so, so there was a couple of things with takeout is it's not who we are. It's not what we do. And really I had just, we had just released 50, We just let 50 people go, right? We just said to 50 people, this promise that I have made to you of, of meaningful employment is no longer valid. And I don't know what the future holds and I don't know when you're coming back. So to bring three or four people back didn't seem like it was enough. Uh, Brad Checky and Clay Nutting from Canon and I started, we started talking with a couple other restaurateurs in town and chefs about what it looked like going forward. And we realized that there was a couple of assets that we had, empty restaurants, antsy cooks who wanted to get back to work, farmers who had product in the field that wasn't growing, and a lot of hungry people. And so we came on to this idea of what family meal was. Really, the beginning was the school district. In Sacramento, 45,000 kids are eligible for free and reduced lunch, which means they had a mandate to feed, to make 225,000 meals a week. Um, it's a big challenge, and we thought that would be somewhere where we could help. That first week, they were they were just figuring out where they were. We weren't helpful uh, being in it. We didn't know where the money was going to come from. Is it philanthropy? And I was wrong that, that Clay and Brad and those guys said, we're going to go out there and raise money, and they have. So to date, we are we have raised above, we've raised enough money to feed 50,000 people. The but I thought that it had to be government that was involved because this problem is so large. Then I thought, we thought about what can we do? I don't know how to distribute. I didn't know how to help the kids, but I knew we needed to learn how to make 400 meals or 800 meals a day like we're doing now in the restaurant. So we needed to get our training with And to get it out, I didn't know where the food would go. Um, the school district said one of the principals there when they came in the first week when people weren't really getting the meals, the principal came out and said, I know where they live, follow me, hopped in his car, and in 20 minutes they went to three complexes and had given away more meals than they had the entire day at school sites. Said to me, trusted community elders are the people who will give the food to those in need. So we called our friend Daryl Roberts from Roberts Family Development Center, and I said, Dee, can you take 200 dinners at the center on, on Darina up in North Sac. Yes. And then he did. And the next day he called and he said, Patty, there's need everywhere. Do you mind if I come pick up those meals and take them in other places around the city? So he's been going to CV Circle. He's been going to Grant. He's been going down to Oak Ridge in, in uh, South Sac. He's been traveling around to feed people everywhere. And the rest of our meals, the other portion of the meals went to uh, Father Francisco at Our Lady Guadalupe. And so there, the food was out there. We then came back and were able to feed. The schools were ready for us to see what they were doing. And so we've started now bringing meals to some of the school sites. Luther Burbank feeds 1,700 people for lunch, 1,700 meals for lunch, 1,700 meals for dinner or breakfast and lunch. And the reason they cut it off is because they, they, they don't have the capacity to go further every day cars lined up and coming through. And what kind of meals do you 
do you prepare? Simple, nutritious? Like what are the factors that you consider that goes into a meal? So the first, the first piece we think is heat and eat, but safe to eat if you're, if you're not ready, right? So, so when at, at the sanctuary, if a homeless guy came up and grabbed it, he could be chugging seafood chowder with clams and shrimp in it. Um, but yesterday was uh, curried lamb with coleslaw, right? To get ready for people to eat however, however they wanted it. And what we think is we need, just like my mom said, right? You need a vegetable, a starch, and a protein. You need to eat your fruit, and to entice you, we're going to give you something sweet. You know, that comes to mind. That comes to mind when you talk about that. Uh, the chef Jose Andres with World mm-hmm. Central Kitchen. He's obviously gotten a lot of attention for feeding, just going to uh, places that have been hit, like Puerto Rico and Haiti and hurricane areas and uh, just doing the similar thing. I was wondering if you uh, looked at what he was doing, even talked to him and used some of those uh, things that he's doing for family meal. I think that what he's, what he's doing is amazing, right? Today he is at Camden Yards feeding 25,000 people in Baltimore. I mean, that's just, that's just amazing. And the work he's done with feeding people at the restaurants and certainly inspirational uh, for sure. And, and we certainly have taken much from him. The, the challenge here for us when we sat down as chefs in the beginning with thinking about that World Central Kitchen model, how do you bring everyone together? You know, and the first thought was uh, Brian Kuznicki from Golden One said, I have a big kitchen, come on down. But we need to be separate, right? Social distancing is the key. And so we knew that that wasn't going to be our model. And so that's why we, we developed, right, with, with Canon and with Camden, Spit and Larder and Pinchuyaki and um, Alora came in to say, each of us can develop, can make these meals in a way where everyone's separate and safe and people can come and pick them up for us. So full disclosure, I, my day job is events director at Cal Matters here in Sacramento. It's a journalism venture that covers news around the state, basically policy and, and politics coming out of the Capitol. A notable thing about Cal Matters is we run a lot of commentaries from notable people around the state. And one commentary I saw last month that really drew my eye was one written by Patrick Mulvaney here, along with Brad Chechi, the chef at Cannon, who we mentioned, about Family Meal and what it was doing. And I thought that was very interesting. And then two days later, our commentary editor sent an email to the staff saying, look at the feedback Patrick has gotten about Family Meal across the state. Then yesterday, because we're recording this on Saturday the 25th, the 26th, who knows what day it is, but the day before, on Friday, Gavin Newsom had a press conference, his uh, regular press conference, and he let it off by announcing there was going to be a statewide initiative to feed uh, seniors and lower-income uh, families around the state. And I thought, this sounds very similar to Family Meal. And I'm wondering if that commentary in Cal Matters led to uh, this initiative that Gavin Newsom is uh, talking about. It sounds like it did. So, Patrick, I wanted you to explain what happened after you wrote that commentary for Cal Matters um, and how it led to what the governor announced yesterday. You know, so as I said, with Brad and Clay, who have been super successful in the fundraising piece, um, said that that was important. And I thought that it was important to get attention out into the public sphere. And that, that uh, Karen Ross, the Secretary of Food and Ag in California, had said to me, this is a challenge 
that's larger than philanthropy and and you need to get people's attention and so i i the place to get people's attention is cal matters right so something that's read by people across the state that's a trusted voice uh that's neutral, you know, to, to get the, the word out there. And so uh, you guys were very gracious about letting it print. And for sure, the, the reaction was immediate and immense uh, from not only California, north and south, but also from Washington, D.C., where people were reading it as well. And so we began the conversation of what does, what does Family Meal look like, particularly in this time where this is unprecedented and no one knew where to go or what to do, what we were saying was, we don't know what to do either, but we're cooks and we know how to feed people. So I'm making a bunch of food and, and you can have it. And there's tons of restaurants that can do this. This can scale up, it's replicable, go. Um, and so we started, we just kept doing it, right? So, we, so we're probably now as a team doing northward of 20 or 30,000 meals a week right? The five of us. The program has now expanded into YOLO and Placer counties um, even before that. And so as we were talking with folks about this and then started asking, where is there funding that could help us? Because we can't do this forever. Um, reached out to everybody and their uncle. And last Friday, uh, the governor, we were asked, the governor said, can the governor come and see what you're doing? So he came in um, it was, it's actually, it was the end of week four. It was the first time that we weren't busy. Someone had given us, uh, uh, actually Superior Farms from Dixon had given us 2,300 pounds of lamb vindaloo already cooked. And so we had this gracious day off and the governor came in and said, you don't look very busy for someone who's making all this food. I was like, well, nothing, nothing personal, but everybody's beat. Because while this is not what we, we're not used to doing this, but this is, hard work and everybody's been running. So we're grateful for the day off. And we talked about the program and, and one of the things he said was, this is a great idea. Why didn't we know about this before? And I said to him, you, when you were elected, you said to me that you were not a person to bring ideas to, but that if I had a plan and got it to rise up through the firmament to your desk, that you would be supportive of it. So I said to him, so we, we pushed in Cal matters. We called the, Secretary of Health Care Services and Secretary of Food and Ag and half the people in the cap, you know, whatever, anybody I knew, I called cab drivers and butchers and bakers to try and get attention. I said, and here you are, and here's the plan. 400 to 800 meals, any restaurant can do this, but it needs funding. Where's the funding? And he said, funny you should say that. This morning I was on the phone with FEMA and they gave me an, a permission to use their relief money for feeding seniors uh, in restaurants. So I think let's work on this and see how we can. So over the last week, um, in a big cone of silence, which is annoying for a chef because it's a cone of silence and also because it takes too long, um, they came up with a plan and, and their plan uh, that the governor announced on Friday, yesterday, will be, we'll be able to spread it out uh, around the state. So we've been talking to colleagues up and down the state who are ready to do this as well. But really in Sacramento, we're really ready to do it because we've already been doing it. So we have meetings throughout the weekend to talk about not only how we implement this in Sacramento immediately and quickly and well, but how we do it in a way that helps us transfer our knowledge and saves 
the mistakes, you know, the, the ramp up is tough, right? It, it's hard, but we can, because we know how to do it, we'll be able to make it easier for everyone else. Hi, this is Caleb Clark, executive producer of California Groundbreakers Podcasts. We're working on more New Normal in California podcasts literally as I speak, but putting them together takes a fair amount of time and money. If you like what you're hearing in this episode and you want to hear more of them, you can help us in two ways. First, consider being a Groundbreaker supporter right now by making a podcast creation donation. Click on the Support California Groundbreakers box on our SoundCloud podcast page or on the Donate tab on the homepage of our website, californiagroundbreakers.org. Also, if you know of a Californian doing some innovative thing during this pandemic time who should be talking about it with us on this podcast, email us at info at californiagroundbreakers.org to give us information about who, where, and why so we can get in touch. We're always looking to get the word out about Groundbreakers who people should know about and support. So looking into the crystal ball about when we get the all clear, uh, when restaurants can open up again, what does opening up again look like for you? So, so opening up again, I guess we are thinking about it, but we haven't thought of it yet, what it looks like. And then I just want to say on the, the feeding the elderly piece, here's the hope, is that, is that this program not only becomes a program that feeds the elderly, but the need is still out there for the school children and for families in trouble. And so what we hope is that our plan that becomes a program then turns into a, pro, a plan for more widespread feeding. It's really important for us to figure out how we're doing this. If California is a leader, this is a, this is a way for us to be able to lead not only in the state, but across the country. And then as we think about what, what the restaurant looks like when it comes back, you know, we don't know for sure. Here's what I hope. I hope that, that the, con- I, I hope that the conversations that lead to the reopening include restaurant tours and also are directed by the health experts and advised by the political body too, to let us know what works and doesn't work. We can tell you nuts and bolts what's good. I want, we need to have medical professionals to say, here's how we make sure the virus doesn't come back. And then we want politicians to be able to say, here's how it works and here's how it's going to roll out. If we can come together with a unified voice, then that's going to make that messaging much easier. Mayor Steinberg has tasked us as restaurateurs to start, um, start that process as restaurateurs, to gather restaurateurs and say, here's what we see coming out, here's how, what we hope it looks like, and here's where we're going. And again, you know, I think uh, support is going to be great to help us lead, right, because we'll be able to feed what we know to our colleagues around the state who are doing this feeding plan for the elderly. And then, and then what it looks like, like, so I can tell you that I don't know what it looks like, and but we've never, we've never planned too early throughout in this crisis, so it's time now to start. And while I don't know what it's going to look like at the end of the day, what I can tell you is I believe that, you know, the restaurants are central to society, right? We help build our communities and, and weave them together. And that need for gathering and comfort and hospitality 
has not gone away, will not go away. And so there will be a place for restaurants in the future of California. We just don't know what it looks like right now. Before we started recording the podcast, Patrick and I were talking about an essay that a chef, uh, well, a chef and owner of a restaurant in New York uh, wrote for the New York Times. I think it came out if not uh, Friday, then at least a couple of days ago. Her name is Gabrielle Hamilton, and she owns a a very uh, well-established and very high-esteemed restaurant called Prune in New York, downtown New York. And it was a very, very, very touching and very sad essay about what it's like uh, in her experience to run a restaurant and have to make tough decisions uh, to close down and predicting, you know, if you can, the future of um, what her restaurant will look like, as well as what restaurant, the restaurant scene in New York uh, will look like as well. For me personally, it really hit home about what restaurant owners, uh, their staff have to, to go through right now. And it also made me realize that, uh, I have to I, personally, as a someone who wants to support restaurants, what the restaurant scene is going to look like. Uh, it doesn't sound like it's going to be pretty. So I do. I, I it's a lovely, a lovely essay. Uh, it, it's it's kind of a downer, but there are it's it's a love. It's very well written, and there are glimmers of hope. But I I was wondering, Patrick, you know, based on your your view of the restaurant scene here in Sacramento, California, you know, what do you see? it looking like after after the all clear is given you know what should we as customers and diners and people who want to support what should we expect so we got the people who started sending the prune gabriel's piece around a couple of days ago and i and i didn't read it because because i know how good a writer she is and how well she can explain what everyone who owns a restaurant is feeling. And uh, yesterday morning, someone else sent it and said, hey, you gotta read this, I wanna talk about it later. So I did, and it, it is hard and it's crushing, right? When you spend your life working to create conviviality and hospitality and then you don't know what, what, what you've planned for and worked for all your life, what does it mean and, and where's it gone? So in some sense, that desperation, but the hope continues, right? Because you know that what we're doing is providing hospitality, that what we're doing is important. And then for California, you know, so rather than being on the Lower East Side with 24-inch tables, we're lucky to be in Sacramento where we have a little more room. So when we open up, even with social distancing because we have our banquet space next door, we'll be able to spread that out, right? Which means we'll be able to pay the rent for people. But folks in New York or other places that don't have A, that the space or be the right, the great climate, right? For six months a year, you can eat outside in California, in Sacramento anyway. Um, so that's going to, that's going to help us, right? Bring us back together. And then what the future of the restaurants look like when it comes back, it's, it's, you're right. It is going to be different, right? It, I think it's going to be different in the way people maybe think about food and express themselves. But I think that it's going to be the same in that it's that space of gathering. And I think it's going to be, and I hope that it's going to be better because we've gone through this uh, 
this crisis, this pandemic, as a state and as a nation together in many ways, in ways we haven't, and look at, you know, that the actions that the governor and others have taken, how low the incidence of COVID is in California compared to what we were all forced afraid of. Um, you know, it's something to be proud of, right? And, and, and it's hard to think that, well, I'm just sitting at home. But, but you know what, sitting at home is what saves lives, right? And that idea that what we're saying is, and it's not, it's not your life, right? If you're young and healthy, you'll, you'll make it out. But it's that direct consideration of, but if you're sick, you may be the one. What, hap- what happens if that's your mother or your grandmother who gets sick because you decided to go out? And people are taking that seriously. And so I would hope that there's uh, two things, right? More social cohesion and more empathy for, uh, for others. There's more of a, hey, I'm walking in this person's foot- footsteps. In terms of the discussion that we're all having now in terms of, you know, the economy versus our health, opening up uh, and what that means for better, for worse, uh, for restaurants uh, going forward post-pandemic, I I think uh, Governor Newsom has mentioned this a few times, restaurants may look different uh, going forward, you know, the social distancing, you know, 50% less seating. the staff may be wearing masks, maybe serving with gloves. My my mom had mentioned this. She said, I'm not sure if I want a fine dining experience. Will it be a fine dining experience if we go to a place where everyone is, you know, masks and gloves? It, it just takes it off. But then again, you have to balance, um, you know, economic realities with uh, health, the health of your public. So in terms of like, you know, visualizing masks and gloves and what the menu may look like, um, because of health issues, because of economic issues, what do you, what do you, what do you visualize a fine dining experience to look like, or just a, you know, sit down dining experience look like? Maybe an operating room with everyone coming out with gloves and masks and gowns. Is that what it's going to be like? No, I think that, I think that, and again, this is the hardest part, right? As a chef, you, you get used to telling people the way things are and what it is going to be. And right now we don't know. Right. And so that's a challenge to say, we don't know, right. What that's going to look like. And it's also, but it's important to remember that, hold that space of, Hey, we don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but as we move forward, let's move forward with the best possible minds informing us how to do that. And those best possible minds are the, health experts and epidemiologists saying, here is how to ensure that we are not endangering ourselves or particularly others. And here are the restaurants saying, this is what we need in order to provide you with the kind of hospitality that you're used to. And I think that that we're started, like I said, the mayor has tasked restaurants and uh, health health care people and the uh, uh, Department of Health in the County of Sacramento to come together to start making those plans. And those plans are not for tomorrow and they're probably not for next week, but they're for someday. And, and what that someday is, is going to be different probably than what we think it is today. But if we start making those plans, having those discussions, building trust between uh, groups who are gonna be involved in the final decisions, that's gonna help us get to a better decision when it's time to open, open back up. You know, if you look at Georgia and they said, great, restaurants go, 
all my friends who have restaurants there said, what does that mean? How do I bring people in? What is this safe? Is this not? They have too many unanswered questions and we have too many unanswered questions, but it's important for us to be talking about the questions now. So as the answers come in, we'll know which ones are important, which ones less important, which ones go to the heart of having people come back in, enjoying hospitality in a place that's safe, and knowing too that our staff is safe working there, and that our staff can come back and depend on this moving forward. Because the last thing we wanna do is go out too fast and too hard, and have a bunch of people infected again, and then have to reel everything back in, right? So we're gonna try really hard to make sure that when we reopen, it's a reopening that is sustainable. And for the group of people like me, customers and patrons who want to help now, because we keep hearing about restaurants just in such dire financial straits, how can we help now in terms of uh, the restaurants that are, that are still open, in terms of the programs like the family meal program? What do you advise uh, that we can help with time, money, volunteer efforts? So sackfamilymeal.com, $5 buys a meal. Welcome. I am P.T. Barnum. No, but seriously, very important, website. right? And, the, and very gracious. California has been very gracious so far. And we, when you pull up to somewhere else at school on Friday and handed in a box, and Mayor Steinberg was there and he said, congrats, hey, this is dinner from Patrick Mulvaney. You guys can have this tonight. And the woman said, no, we're, we're eating the lunch and breakfast that they gave us today because it's Friday. There's no food for the weekends this food is going to get us through the weekend. That makes you know that, that this is serious and these people need the food. So, so your donations are, that's where it's going. Boom, right out to feed hungry folks. The other thing for us as restaurateurs, take out, call them, support them, buy pizzas, buy drinks, buy whatever. Super, super important too, right? Because we're also helping keep farmers going, brewers, distillers, drink a lot, right? And eat a lot. I think everyone should come out of this fat and happy. Um, that would help. And then, and share with your officials. You know, we don't think about this, but calling elected officials is important. Telling them this is important. This is what we want to do. We need to feed other people. I would ask everyone to reach out to their assemblymen, senators, congressmen, whoever, let them know that there are hungry people out here and we want help to feed them and urge them to continue that. And then lastly, I guess what I would say is stay at home, right? That you are helping this virus die more quickly by not going out, by not congregating, by sharing. And, and we don't necessarily see it, but we're saving lives, right? We talked about it in mental health all the time and we've been beginning to talk about it again. That it's, it's a fight. And, and we're not going to necessarily see all the victories, but it's true that we've cut down tremendously on the amount of defeats because of your actions. My last question for you is, I don't know if you've given any thought to a grand opening uh, dinner uh, that you're going to have or a, a welcome, welcome back customers or what that'll look like. But I was wondering if you have given thought to when Mulvaney's B&L opens up it again for a private meal or just a grand opening, what will be on the menu? <laughs> I don't know. All I know is that I just want the cash register to go out on the, on the PA system so everyone can hear it ringing. <laughs> it's not really, it's not, 
not good business practice to have a cash flow that's going only out. Um, now I think the menu will be what it all what it's always been, right? And we'll be supporting our local farmers and ranchers. And for us right now, we're happy that some of our farmers have been able to transfer into a CSA box model and get them through. We're more concerned about the smaller ones, right? And how those guys are going to make it through. We're lucky here at the BNL. We've been open 14 years, so we're positioned pretty well to uh, weather the storm. It's hard for sure, but I'm pretty confident we'll come out the other side. I'm worried about my comrades, right, who aren't in that far and how that's going to work when they come out the other side. And, and you know, really, the, the, the truth is that it's not even necessarily about money. A lot of my time is just reaching out to people, seeing how they're doing. So if you have a favorite restaurant or a favorite bartender or a favorite waiter, checking in, just calling them up and saying, hey, how are you doing? Can I, do you need food? Do you need toilet paper? Do you, you know, whatever. Um, really just that, just that voice, because it's important to remember even that we now in this pandemic are required to be physically distanced. It's more important than ever that we remain socially connected. Well, I am looking forward to uh, the first time I can go out and have a meal, uh, no matter whether it's served with mask or gloves. Uh, I am looking forward to it. And I, I want to thank you, Patrick Mulvaney, for taking time out of a very busy schedule for all that you're doing with Family Meal. And uh, I look forward to Mulvaney's BNL opening up again. And in the meantime, stay healthy, stay safe, and we're rooting for you. And there are better days coming. I'm going right now to our daughter is going to have her first grandchild in June, and we're going to have a drive-by baby shower. So thank you very much for having me. I got to go. All right. Thank you. Bye. See ya. Bye. You've been listening to California Groundbreakers. This episode of The New Normal in California with Patrick Mulvaney was recorded on April 25th, 2020. Thanks to Patrick for joining us today. And like he mentioned in his conversation, Family Meal Sacramento needs financial help to feed people in need, order supplies from local farmers and purveyors, and keep kitchen staff on the payroll. Find out how you can help by going to spotfund.com and typing in Family Meal Sacramento. As always, thanks to Caleb Clark at Kickstart Audio for recording and producing this podcast. And of course, thanks to you for listening. If you find our podcasts worth listening to in these difficult times, consider making a donation and supporting our efforts to produce more informative, inspiring conversations about how Californians are coping with the new normal. You can do that, as well as keep tabs on our upcoming podcast episodes, our live events whenever it's safe to do them again, and other information about us by going to our website, californiagroundbreakers.org.